helping pharmacists grow themselves, their business, and driving outcomes. This is Pharmacy Now. Pharmacy Now podcast. This is episode number nine. Excited to be here today with all of our listeners. We have another fantastic guest on deck today. Uh, but first, just want to take a second. We are in the brand new year of 2021. So goodbye to 2020. Uh, we are still, though, in the midst, of course, of COVID and this global pandemic and helping uh, pharmacies gear up uh, for the COVID-19 uh, vaccination. So excited to discuss a little bit of that and much, much more today. So joined here today with our very special guest. He is the current chief sales officer from Tablio Rasa Healthcare, uh, Mr. Kevin Bozen. Uh, Kevin, can you hear me? I can, Scott. Thanks for having me here today. Absolutely. It is a pleasure. Now, I do want to say to our listeners, Kevin is a pharmacist. Uh, as you know, we are joined um, with many of our guests uh, on the Pharmacy Now podcast, our pharmacist. Kevin has a PharmD. We'll talk more about his background. Uh, but we are excited, Kevin, to have you here today and to talk a little bit more about what you're doing over there at Tablierasa Healthcare. Um, but I want to just start the podcast with the same question that I do every time we have a pharmacist uh, on the Pharmacy Now podcast. Uh, before we get into your background, and that is, Kevin, if you could answer, why did you choose to go into the profession of pharmacy? Yeah, thanks for that question. I think um, it's uh, it's it's probably a similar answer to a lot of folks who become pharmacists. My, my dad was a pharmacist, so my exposure to the field of pharmacy occurred very early in my life. He was a, a, a pharmacist, um, went to Drake University. Um, I went to grade school in Des Moines, Iowa, um, very progressive state for uh, community pharmacies. My dad worked with uh, a small pharmacy in, in rural Iowa and um, had the opportunity when I was younger um, to go there, you know, eight, 10 years old, sweep the floors. Um, and, and really, really, that was my first exposure to pharmacy. And uh, while I was in high school, I thought about really becoming a physician. I thought that's what I wanted to do. And um, in the healthcare space. But as I started college and, and looking at pre-med, really saw the value of the pharmacist and my dad's experience and everything that you can do with it and stuck with it and had a very diverse career so far myself. Wow. That's awesome. So you, you grew up in the pharmacy, you're sweeping the floors, you've been exposed to that world since a very early age. And you're one of the lucky ones, I think, that knew from a young age, this is what you want to do. Um, I think so many so many uh, youngsters these days going to college still having no clue what they want to do, but um, you kind of had that path laid out for you. That's, that's awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about today at TRHC. You're the chief sales officer there. Um, I've done my research, of course, on Tablet Rasa Healthcare, but wanted to ask what what exactly is TRHC uh, for the listeners? What is TRHC involved with? What are they offering right now to the world of pharmacy? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question too. Our our core um, products and services are really there to help empower pharmacists to um, make meaningful impact and and provide value in their settings, regardless of where they be. Um, we spend a lot of time um, really developing new tools to help pharmacists practice in different ways. Um, 
And so our, our, our mission is really centered around um, enhancing medication safety, um, improving medication use through the, through the pharmacist, uh, whatever that practice setting may be. And the problem we're really trying to tackle is that um, there's been numerous studies that have been published um, since uh, the mid-90s that show for every dollar we spend on medications, we spend another dollar dealing with the problems that medications cause. And so um, in, in 25 years ago, we were spending about $70 billion on medications and $70 billion dealing with the problems. And, and as recently as four years ago, those numbers had increased to almost 500 billion or half a trillion dollars. So if you look at the, the challenges in our healthcare system, we're certainly innovative on the pharmacy side and offering more um, products that really help patients in many different ways. But we still have this problem of making sure that those medications are, are safe um, for patients. And so we really try to develop tools that, that help the pharmacist practice in, in different ways and more effectively. Um, a lot of that really centers around our application um, that we call MedWise. That is a, a completely different way to look at medication safety. So not only are we spending more um, money on medications, um, patients are taking more in terms of a quantity of medications. And the systems that um, pharmacists have used when I was young, helping my dad out in his store that looked at how two drugs interact with each other was um, perfectly appropriate um, 50 years ago. But when you look at the medication usage today and patients um, are commonly prescribed 5, 10, 15 different medications, pharmacists just need smarter technology in order to know um, how, how, how do those medications all interact in the body at the same time from the point of if you take five medications in the morning, can your body even absorb those at the same time to um, how does that impact the, the individual blood levels when you're on certain medications that compete with each other at the, at the molecular level? And so we, we spend a lot of time um, doing some research and development and trying to uh, create tools that present that information to a pharmacist in an easy way that they can integrate within their practice. So when you talk about, was it $70 billion, Kevin? It was 70, 70 billion about 25 years ago. It's it's about five hundred billion today. Okay, five hundred billion today. So, just to take a step back for the average listener that you know isn't involved in healthcare, isn't a pharmacist, when you say we're spending dollar for dollar on the cleanup of it, is that because of patients being hospitalized because they're taking the wrong meds, or because of side effects, or what is that? Where's that dollar when you talk about dollar for dollar? Where's that going in terms of the cleanup portion? It's, it's primarily, that's a, another good question. It's primarily related to um, unintended consequences of the medication. So those could be adverse drug events that lead to hospitalizations or emergency rooms, which are, are very expensive, or they can actually lead to more medication use in terms of prescribing cascades, meaning that if, if a patient takes one drug and they have a a side effect, they might take another drug to manage the side effect of the first drug. Um, and sometimes those combinations uh, that result from managing patient symptoms that way 
can then result in falls um, that can result in emergency room visits, um, hospital visits, um, additional diagnostic testing that can be very expensive and um, cause a lot of, you know, in addition to the cost, a lot of deal of a lot of stress and anxiety as, as people try to navigate uh, through that and, and understand what, you know, why, why they're feeling the way that they're doing, why they feel and, and might not even realize it's, it's due to some of the medications that they take. So you're saying that the product that Tablet Rasa Healthcare offers today is a software that is offered to pharmacies that can analyze the medications that a patient is on to um, avoid some of this potential risk? That's the key piece of, of what the software can do is it, it gives you that insight into um, you know, what the medications look like um, within the patient's body. So when you take a medication, it, it first has to be absorbed from the um, stomach, the intestines. Uh, it will go through a, a process where it'll be metabolized by the liver um, first before getting into the bloodstream. Um, it has to make its way to um, the cells that it that it it's trying to reach. Um, in some cases, that might mean getting to to brain cells and crossing um, certain sophisticated membranes within the body that are really designed to protect the body. And then the whole time, while we're taking these to to help us feel better, the body treats them as poison. So the body is trying to eliminate them. And so what the technology does is it gives the pharmacist a view of what that looks like. So when all the drugs are taken at once, we create these visual displays um, to show the pharmacist um, what's happening within the body. Are these drugs um, competing with each other for some of the pathways for absorption and metabolism? Are they um, complementary? Are they um, increasing the amount of side effects because of their accumulation of, of sort of small effects that you wouldn't notice if a patient was taking one drug at a time, but now that they're taking five, it's causing problems with things like memory, um, heart arrhythmias, um, sedation, those kinds of things. And so it gives the pharmacist insight into and a view of uh, multiple medication use that they've never really had before. Um, and I, and I think I think that's the trick. And so, if you're a pharmacist, and the first time that you see this and use these tools, I, I think it's it's almost like it's it's intuitive and it's information that we all learned in school. Um, but the way it's presented, it's it's almost like you get a you get a completely different view of what medicines look like um, than you've ever had before. So interesting that you said that there at the end, because uh, as I've shared with the listeners many of times, I'm not a pharmacist. And a lot of our listeners aren't pharmacists. And so my question was going to be, you know, and I always give the example of one of my close family members, which is my mom, uh, who has multiple sclerosis, and she's been on 10 to 15 medications since the early 90s. And I remember help, you know, going in high school and college, going to the pharmacy with her, um, taking her to the pharmacy to pick up her medications. And we knew the pharmacists on a first name basis. They knew my mom when she walked in the door. And is it, you know, her son, I, I trusted that the physicians that were writing these medications, because she went to a few specialists for her multiple sclerosis, she of course went to her primary care physician. And between, you know, those doctors, providers, and the pharmacist who's handing her these medications over the counter, 
I just assumed that they kind of all worked together and knew exactly what she was taking and that she was safe to take all of them. Um, and, and what I hear you saying from the technology that you guys offer and saying that pharmacists have learned a lot of this in school, but it's just not readily available in front of them when they're handing 15 medications to a patient that they could possibly be harmful. Is that, am I kind of on the right track there with that? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's, it's even, um, being able to consolidate that information in a usable way. So, you know, if, if, if I were, you know, practicing without the tool, you know, even five, 10 years ago, and I, I, you know, obviously have family members as a pharmacist who ask me questions about their medications. I need to look up information uh, about each medication. And if someone's on, let's say six medications, I then have to do a, a drug drug interaction review of how the first drug interacts with the other five, the second with the other five. And I probably end up from a research standpoint with, um, you know, a hundred, 150 pages of data notes. And so it's, it's the information potentially has always been there and there's opportunities for me to assimilate that and, and do that. Um, but what our technology does is it presents that same information, um, even at potentially additional detail in a very simple, easy to follow pictorial representation of how everything interacts. And so it's, it, it, it formats it in a way that the clinical pharmacist can, can look at it in ways that they've never really had before. So, you know, drug A might interact with drug B, um, but when you use our tools um, and we call sort of the core component, our matrix that really lines up each drug, um, what percentage of that drug do we expect the body to absorb and use, um, which liver enzymes metabolize it. And we can look at how the drugs compete um, along that, that just this grid and little changes as far as, you know, if, if two drugs compete, but they might be necessary, you might be able to separate them by time of day and take one in the morning and one at night. And that might be all you need sometimes to prevent some of the side effects and problems that people have. And, you know, if you're sifting through hundreds of pages of, of available data, those are, those are the challenges. And, and I think pharmacists have done a really good job managing it. And this sort of gives them just a, a really another tool in their toolbox to help assimilate um, as this, the information that's available becomes more and more abundant and more and more complex. Okay. So I, through my research and just to kind of clarify some things, I think for the listeners, cause this is fantastic information. I, and I appreciate you sharing this with us. And of course, again, appreciate you being here today as our guest. Um, Tabli Rasa healthcare has a, has a platform or a software called Medwise, which looks at all of the drugs and what you're talking about that a patient may be taking. And then a sh basically tells the pharmacist if what the drug the drugs that the patients are taking or the that particular patient is taking are safe essentially to take together it does it it and and it's it's not always an answer of um it, is it safe or not safe sometimes there's there's a lot of nuance to that of you know how could you make them more safe or what are the things that you have to monitor and watch for so the the building blocks of medwise are are multifactorial. So the first piece of it is looking at side effects that um, we know are problematic in, in patients. And one is um, 
a side effect that that's called um, or or an effect that's called an anticholinergic effect. And an anticholinergic effect is um, really dryness. So the you know one way to think about it is if I have allergies, I take Benadryl, and the anticholinergic properties of Benadryl dry my sinuses so that, you know, I don't have that stuffy nose anymore, clears my eyes. So I don't have runny, my eye, I'm not crying and I can see. Okay. So, but if, if you have that impact and and you take drugs with chronic anticholinergic use, it can also dry other parts of your, your body. It can dry your gut. Um, it can actually cause some dryness, so to speak in the, in the brain in that some of the brain cells, um, will will actually atrophy over prolonged years use of drugs that have anticholinergic effect and so benadryl is an example of a drug that has a really strong anticholinergic effect and you take it only when you need it um but there's a number of drugs that may create just a a, just a tiny bit of anticholinergic properties and so one of the things that this platform will do is if you're taking 10 different drugs um maybe the cumulative effect of those drugs has the same effect of, you know, multiple doses of Benadryl or diphenhydramine. And so being able to sort of aggregate that as an important side effect is, is, is one of the pieces of it. And then there's a couple other effects that we do in aggregation of potential risk. The other is sedation. So we all know that if you're sedated, it's hard to function and you're not at the top of your game. Um, but if you have anticholinergic effects, um, sort of this brightness atrophy in the brain and you're sedated, it can cause a real cognitive impairment, meaning you might not be able to think straight. Um, sedation in the elderly is particularly harmful because that can lead to falls and falls in, in the elderly can lead to even worse consequences, you know, fractures and hospital stays. So looking at that anticholinergic use, that sedation impact. Um, the other one that we look at is, uh, the impact of drugs to um, create heart problems. So there's a number of medications that can prolong what's called a QT interval, which is um, part of when you look at an EKG and you have sort of the up and down spikes of the the heart rhythm, um, a portion of that can get expanded. And if it gets expanded too much, um, it can create a heart arrhythmia and, and possibly even sudden death. And so we look at, you know, the cumulative effect of drugs on that. So that's really the first piece of it is, you know, what are some core side effects that can be really problematic um, in patients and what's the impact of their particular drug regimen to cause those problems? So that's, that's really the first piece of it. The second, even more in-depth piece is um, I mentioned that, you know, the body sees drugs as a toxin. And so it needs to eliminate those from the body. And it does that primarily through metabolism by the liver. And drugs are metabolized primarily through a liver enzyme system called the cytochrome P450 system. And there are a limited number of cytochrome P450 enzymes that drugs can go through for metabolism. And so if you take five drugs and they all would go through that same pathway, the liver doesn't decide to, you know, do them sequentially or do 20% of each. So they're all metabolized evenly. It 
picks the drug that it has the highest affinity for and it metabolizes that first. And then the drug after that would be metabolized second. And so sometimes there's medications that we take that the body can't even metabolize. They're going to stay around in the bloodstream longer than we expected um, at higher doses than we expected. And they're going to create side effects at a higher frequency than we expected. And so being able to see all the drugs and all the pathways that they go to in a nice picture um, gives you sort of this insight. It's, you know, it's almost like, you know, putting on, you know, a, a special hat and now you can see things you never got to see before. Um, and that's, that's, I think some of the, some, some of the things that makes it really, really valuable. Um, but also, um, really empowers pharmacists in ways that they've never been empowered before. So I love it. This is very fascinating. Um, and so before we dive any further into the cytochrome P450, um, and some of the other scientific terminology, I, I want to look at this on a very basic level for, for just a moment from both the pharmacist side of the counter and the patient side of the counter. And so if I'm a pharmacy, I can adopt technology from Tablet Rasa Healthcare, essentially, that gives me the ability to see if my patient's medications that they're taking um, are safe and, and if I need to perhaps deliver a medication safety review uh, with that patient, their profile, their medications through the software, again, offered by Tablet Rasa Healthcare, which is Medwise. So just to dive into the numbers on the, on the pharmacy side of the counter. So if I'm the pharmacy owner, I have Medwise, just to general number, maybe you have the exact number, how many patients normally qualify or fall into this category where they're at risk because of the medications that they're taking? So we'll look at as, as part of the assessment and part of the technology is we create what's called a, a risk score. And we call that our, our Medwise risk score because of the, the Medwise technology. And we, we generally, that score falls on a scale of zero to 50. Um, we generally target patients um, or suggest that we do an in-depth review of their profile if a score is um, 15 or more. Um, not to say that anybody below 15 wouldn't benefit from it, um, but one of the reasons we pick 15 is we've been able to correlate our score with healthcare spending um, to the point we were talking earlier is that um, the, the, the real cost of drug side effects is seen in things like hospitalization rates, emergency room visits. So at a score of 15, patients have about 50% higher cost than um, the general population. At a score of 20, it's about twice the healthcare spending as the average population, largely due to increases in adverse drug events. So that scoring gives us an indication of um, you know, patients that we should really be spending extra time in. And depending on um, the, the type of patient, generally, if someone is 65 and older, we can see risk scores of 15 to 20 in 20 to 25% of patients. In a younger population, it might depend on uh, other chronic conditions, um, but certainly a, 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 a smaller number, but probably um, still... In a, in a population that takes medications, some sort of chronic medication, um, probably five to 10% of patients will have high risk scores. But yeah, it's, it's, it can be one in four, one in five patients who are over 65 that um, really have risk that pharmacists can manage. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so that makes sense. And, and I would think for most of our listeners, especially the pharmacists out there, right, no, no big surprise probably when you think about my patients that are on the most medications and that fall into that Medicare population, that 65 or over uh, demographic. So from the patient side, to kind of maybe walk through an example, if you have one, Kevin, um, that you guys use a lot over there when, when you know, explaining this to customers or, or even patients. I'm a patient walking in. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in that category of 65. I'm taking 10, 12, 13 medications. And my pharmacist sees I have a risk score of 22 or 23 or whatever example you want to use. What does that usually look like or most commonly for me? And I'm sure there's, you know, a million examples of after you go through medication safety review, but what's kind of a common example that a patient, for those patients that are out there listening, thinking maybe I need a medication safety review, what would be kind of an example to to walk us through on the patient journey side of things and how that's going to benefit me long-term and some of the symptoms that it may alleviate for me as a a patient? Yeah, I, I would say from the patient perspective, the, you know, the first part of that question is if the pharmacist sees that you have a, a risk score of let's say 22, um, you probably have a higher risk score because the pharmacist sees your prescription medications and there's probably some over-the-counter medications that you take, um, maybe for your stomach, um, maybe for any uh, GI symptoms you might have, um, maybe something to help you sleep, uh, something for pain. All of the medication supplements um, that are over-the-counter, non-prescription, are also something that can impact your risk score and interact with your um, prescription medications. The body certainly doesn't know if a, if a medicine's a prescription or an over-the-counter. So um, that's probably the first piece of it is it's really important that your, you know, your pharmacist knows everything that you're taking and you're cognizant about sharing that information with them. That's, that's really a critical piece. So what the pharmacist will do then is, is as the first part of that, we'll ask questions related to um, other medications that you might take, um, supplements over the counter might ask questions about things that could impact, um, drug metabolism. We were talking about that. So some nutrition, um, uh, smoking, things like that, that can impact, um, the, the body's ability to metabolize drugs. So there's what we call a a medication reconciliation and, and some history questions that the pharmacist will do to, to really get a full picture um, before recommending any changes. And then at that point, it's it's really an assessment of, of what things look like. And some of it could be if the side effect profile of medications um, are similar and so they really um, accumulate. Um, one of the things would be looking at medications that may be taken for uh, diabetes or high blood pressure um, that don't have that side effect profile. So you can have different medications that lower um, your blood pressure, but they can have different side effect profiles. So that might be something uh, to look at. There may be um, medications that are taken for pain or um, medications that are taken for other chronic conditions that it, it could be problematic because it goes through a pathway that all the other drugs are going through for metabolism. And there might be other drugs that um, are very similar in what they do from an effect standpoint, but 
potentially use a different pathway. And so there could be, you know, changing blood pressure medications from one to another. Um, or sometimes the recommendations can be very simple. So sometimes your body can manage all the medications if they're spread out. So it could be that, you know, if you're taking four or five medications in the morning, it could be that those medications are okay, just not at the same time. So it could be that some should be taken in the morning and some should be taken at night. And so if there's anything that requires um, a prescription to be changed, the pharmacist would uh, you know, work with you to follow up with your doctor. Um, they might contact the doctor directly. They might give you some written instructions on questions you can ask your doctor the next time you see them. Um, or if it's a, a once a day medication and um, it, it's, it's, it could be within the realm of the pharmacist um, scope of practice to uh, tell you to take it in the evening instead of the morning and really work with you on making sure that the medications are timed right so that your body can process them in the way that it's, it's, it's supposed to. Awesome. Um, well, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about real quickly, we've got a couple minutes remaining. What are kind of the, is, is this the primary focus for Tablet Rasa Healthcare? You guys are a publicly traded company. Um, for those of you who are interested in investing uh, in, in Tablet Rasa out there, the stock ticker is TRHC. Um, but is this the primary focus right now in terms of the strategy with Tablet Rasa Healthcare? Or are you guys planning on other big things? Things that you can obviously talk about as an executive with the company um, in terms of what you guys are getting involved with. Yeah, thanks. Great question. You're right. Tabula Rasa is a publicly traded company. We are uh, stock ticker is TRHC on the NASDAQ. Um, and uh, it, this is our, our primary focus. It is our, our Medwise technology. So the Medwise technology, really, the like I mentioned, it's, it's, a, it's a half a trillion dollar problem annually in the country is uh, problems associated with medication use. So our science is something that um, we're excited to see uh, utilized by community pharmacies. Uh, the Prescribe Wellness um, Network of Pharmacies is one of the first group of pharmacies to have access to the application. Um, there are other community pharmacies that, that um, have access to it as well. So some other relationships that um, we're trying to get this in the hands of as many community pharmacists as possible. We really feel um, you know, the community pharmacist is one of the most underutilized resources, um, in the country. And I've, you know, obviously I've seen that, um, growing up just firsthand and my own professional experience. So it's a big focus is to make sure that we get this in the hands of community pharmacists. Um, we also do a lot of other work to support community pharmacists and, in, in, uh, technology that helps them manage, um, things like COVID testing, um, that community pharmacists got involved in early on, and now the the COVID vaccinations, um, where community pharmacists will, will play a key role in making sure that the the country gets immunized as as fast as possible, so that we can um, you know all go back to uh, life as we know it and life as we want it. Um, so we offer solutions with that, um, meaning we help with things like pharmacies that. Um, are providing the vaccinations and the, you know, patients need to register online. We call that contactless. Um, we help them, the pharmacies with the reporting that they need to do to the states or um, the federal government 
um, those types of things. Um, but then we also take a look at the, the Medwise technology and science and think about the other places where it can be valuable. So we have a, a large group of folks on that on my sales team that um, uh, talk to health insurers. You asked about whether um, patients are paying for it or their insurance companies are paying for it. Um, there's certainly value. So more insurance companies should be, you know, investing in services like this that help prevent problems. Um, so we, we talk to Medicare plans. Um, we talk to commercial insurers about having this be added as a, a standard program that they support. Um, and then one of the other areas of growth is with um, employers. So in, in the United States, employers are responsible for a big portion of healthcare costs. And so um, being able to have a service and a tool um, that's available that can reduce healthcare cost spending, we think is something that's important. So we do a lot of programs that we um, sell to employers so that employers can implement these services with their own employees. And in that same way, we would, um, you know, the first opportunity would be to have the patients receive the service at their own community pharmacy, or if they don't have access to one um, through a telehealth solution with uh, some staff that we have that can provide that um, through a, a telephonic or some other, some other uh, technology means uh, remotely. Yeah, you know, I wanted to ask Kevin on that point. Um, I spent a little bit of time in that arena, um, payers, et cetera. It, just hearing, you know, what this software, uh, this proprietary technology from Tablet Rasa Healthcare can can do for patients and, and for pharmacies, and pitching that out there to payers or to employers, you know. What's this? You mentioned some dollars earlier. I think based on the risk score of every every so many points, or every point has an associated cost with it, uh, additional cost um, for patients with higher risk scores. What is the ROI, um, or do you have one for a private, you know, for an employer? As you mentioned, they're responsible for a huge number when it comes to healthcare costs for their employees. Do you have an ROI or a kind of an average cost savings to a payer or to a uh, to an employer if they were to adopt and offer medication safety reviews to those patients that have had a higher risk score? We do. We can. Um, we we've got a number of studies. Tabula Rasa has a really large um, research and develop and development and analytics team that um, spends a lot of time and energy, and we invest quite a bit in in our outcomes analysis to make sure that the products are achieving the goal that we set out for them. So um, if you target a patient that has, and, and there's a couple ways to do it, but if you look at someone who has a risk score of, of uh, 20 or more, um, and we go through the process that I described where you know we're, we're doing a medication review, and we would call that a retrospective analysis, meaning that the prescriptions have already been prescribed, the patient has already been taking them, that we can walk back that risk and we see savings in the patient of two to three thousand dollars annually, um, which can be a, a four to five to one return on investment. So, lots of opportunities to to save money there. Um, the other piece of it is we've done a lot of work where, you know, if you can employ something like this prospectively. So, as prescriptions are are written. Um, if a clinical pharmacist can review it for a change in risk score, 
and make that change before it happens, we see return on investment sometimes of 13 to one. Um, so we, we really want to uh, continue to advance the technology so that pharmacists can see this in real time and as uh, medications are prescribed so that they're not dealing with the problems medications cause, but they're preventing problems that medications can cause as part of their normal practice model. So it's a huge opportunity to save money on that is, is between four to 13 to one from a return on investment standpoint. So, that, you know, that leads me right up a nice transition, I think, into one of the final questions that I had for you today, Kevin, is the future of pharmacy. And as I mentioned earlier, spend basically all of our time here on the Pharmacy Now podcast talking to pharmacists, a lot of community pharmacists, executives, uh, other experts in this, uh, you know, within this industry. The future of pharmacy, um, I think, looks a little different for everyone that I talk to, but it's definitely it definitely always includes in the conversation pharmacists getting involved in, in additional clinical services offering more clinical services to their patient populations, practicing at the top of their license. One of the challenges we discussed it a little bit is, you know, getting reimbursed and getting paid. Um, and so what does the future of pharmacy kind of look like for you um, when you talk about MedWise, you talk about your group of community pharmacies that you're serving through your prescribed wellness um, acquisition. What does the future of pharmacy look like for you over the next few years in terms of Technologies being adopted and different different revenue streams for these pharmacies. I think it's I I, I think pharmacists have more and more of an opportunity to play uh, really a primary care role. Um, and if you look at the the numbers of primary care physicians, nurse practitioners, um, physician assistants that the country needs versus what we have, um, it's a huge void there. And um, I I don't see that void changing dramatically um, because it's it's you know it's it's challenging there's not a lot of uh, folks at the university that are studying medicine that are um, accumulating the amount of debt and skill that they need to go into medicine that are choosing primary care as their as their practice site and so I continue to think that primary care will um, have this void that pharmacists can fill there's a lot of things that pharmacists can do. Um, relative to general assessment of patients or even ongoing monitoring and management of patients once they have had a um, chronic diagnosis. So I've worked with a number of pharmacists that have what are called collaborative practice agreements where, you know, if there's a, a diagnosis made of uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, um, respiratory illness, cardiovascular disease, that then the pharmacist um, can manage those conditions. And so um, as we're doing these uh, medication reviews and using our MedWise technology, instead of having to go back to the physician to change one blood pressure medication to another, the pharmacist um, will be the ones able to do that. So I think the, the reimbursement, the practice um, of pharmacists will, will continue to become less tied to the medications themselves and more towards their clinical practice model. And then I think as pharmacists evolve to that, we have to stay in tune to what, um, you know, patients need and, and, you know, no, no pharmacist is any different than patients. You know, I appreciate, um, that I, you know, I work and I'm busy that, 
you know, the use of technology to be able to have visits like that is important. So, um, you know, pharmacists being able to embrace that technology so you can support telehealth platforms, whether that include um, just audio or a video audio component, um, I think is part of it too. So pharmacists will need to evolve with their practice model, which uh, many of them have throughout the country. And um, it's, it's great to see that. And I think the next evolution will be you know, embracing the telehealth and the convenience um, that patients really, or people really need. So to keep up with their lives. And I think that's consistent with how the post COVID world will work. Um, you know, if you don't have to go somewhere where there's other sick people, um, regardless of what the, you know, illness they have, I think there's a heightened sensitivity to, um, you know, spreading viruses or um, other bacterial infections. And so if you can avoid situations where you're around other sick people and you can do it um, through an app or some sort of telehealth tool, you'll choose that. And so I think pharmacists will get more and more involved in, in applications and, and using those. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, all of the guests that we have on the show, the one thing that we all agree on is that pharmacy is on the front line of healthcare in America and they are underutilized. Uh, at this point in time. So um, I definitely agree. Well, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir, having you today here on the Pharmacy Now podcast. Fantastic information and amazing technology that, quite frankly, I didn't know all that much about until doing some research and uh, having the pleasure of of, uh, listening to you explain it to myself, to the listeners. So again, thank you so much for being here today with us. Um, and best of luck to you, Tablet Rasa Healthcare, and to uh, getting Medwise out there to as many patients as possible, lowering, lowering healthcare costs and helping change uh, outcomes with patients' lives. That's fantastic stuff.